Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? You really believe that prayer can make a difference. Can I see a hand in the air? You've had at least a prayer answered. Prayer is important to you. You believe God can do it. I do too. We're in good company. Great part of the team. Great family here. Belief and faith. If you go all the way back, check this out. To the beginning of Go Church. We launched Go Church January 24th. 2016. Now, at that time, there were no churches north of I-70 and 80238. We felt like God wanted to do something new, do something special. So we all pulled together, worked hard, launched a Go Church. Even before that, Becky and I had been praying and looking for facilities, facilities to rent, to lease, to buy, to buy and then build. So we would look, we would pray. 2016, 2017, look, pray. 2018, Look, pray, research, go look, site visits. We get a Go Church team together. Look, pray, look, pray. We didn't feel good about anything. 2019, look, pray. Are you picking up on a theme? 2020, look, pray, look, pray, look, pray. So if you add this up, we're talking five years of looking, praying, praying, looking, believing that God wanted to do something, but feeling like, oh man, we just, why is this not clicking, coming together, and then God opens up an opportunity. March 2021, we close on land right here, Central Park and I-70. God pulls together the team, the finances, the money, and I want you to take a look at just where we're at, right there in that bottom corner as we Go up, up, up. You see 70, you see mountains, you see downtown. I'm telling you, God has pulled together the team and the finances and everything it takes to pull this off. Can we make some noise for God? Because he's a good God. Like, it's an exciting time right now. I mean, we still have to pay for it. (laughs) We've been paying for it since March 2021. But it's an exciting time now. We're meeting with architects now. I met with them last week. We're working with design. We're working with city. We're going to get into vision casting and timelines and generosity and all of those things end of January, end of February and March. But it has transitioned into, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, to it's happening, it's exciting. But I want you to go back pre-March. 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, over 1,500 days of wondering, asking God, are you going to provide a permanent facility that can facilitate the advancement of the kingdom, life change, reaching families? Are you going to do this? There was a long stretch where I would kind of wrestle with that question. Why is this prayer not being answered? Have you ever felt like that? Why is this prayer that you care about, you've cared enough about something to pray for it a long, long time, you've been persistent, you believed God, you've tried to figure it out, and for some reason that prayer has not been answered yet. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that feeling. Like, why is my prayer not being answered? Not only do I think it's okay, I really do feel like it's a wonderful thing to ask God questions. 
The Word of God, God has withstood every imaginable question from humanity for thousands of years. God is not scared. And I'll take it one step further. I don't think God is offended at all at any question you might have. We are pro asking questions here in Go Church. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We want to ask the right questions. And there are intellectual, accurate, amazing questions and answers. There's both available within our faith, but it's not wrong to ask. In fact, I think the most dangerous thing that could happen in our relationship with God isn't asking questions. It's becoming silent. Letting an unanswered prayer start to mutate or ruin your relationship with God. Letting something that you feel overpower your faith over time, and you get to this place to where, man, I haven't really prayed, talked to God, read the word of God, talked to a person that believes in Jesus in a long, long, I can't remember the last time that I did. It's easy for these things to happen, even if it's by accident in this life. So today, I want us to continue And finish today asking the question, why are some of my prayers unanswered? And I want us to make some progress and learn some things together. Is that okay? Let's start where we were last week. This is kind of a two-part deal. So write this down. It's the one big thing from last week that I want you to write down today. If you weren't here last week or if you need to go get a review, jump online, watch it this week, tie it together. One big thing. Prayer is about knowing God and getting what you want all the time. (laughs) Prayer is about knowing God and doing his will, okay? Prayer is about knowing God and doing his will. Prayer isn't about just twisting his arm, getting what you want when you want every time you want it. Prayer is communication. I mean, imagine the person that you love the most in your life, okay? Husbands, the answer to that is your wife, that you love the most, but then imagine that you only talk two times a year, Christmas and Easter. That's the only time you talk. Kind of hard to have an ongoing, amazing relationship, okay? Communication is huge. Prayer is about knowing God, knowing his nature, his character, being able to get a sense for what God wants to do, when he wants to do it. And doing his will. And I'll tell you the will of God. If you've ever wondered, what is the will of God for my life? If you're streaming this right now, you've ever wondered the question, what is God's will for my life? I'm going to tell you. Here's God's will. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is God's will for your life. That is where we start. I want us to get the idea of prayer that Prayer is communication. It's not just a thing we do. Or it's not like I just pray when I'm in a facility like this or in a moment like this. We pray almost without stopping. Pray all the time. Ongoing conversation with the Lord. Like you never pray more than an hour, but you never go an hour without praying. It's all the time. Back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. So let's get into a little review from last week. So as we got into this idea of prayer, we talked about learning the basics. So we use an example like driving, learning how to drive. And we talked about all the things that adults already do and lead by example for their children. You know, like every adult here, we always come to a complete stop. 
Isn't that right? Every time. We never speed. We always wear the seatbelt, and we never look at our phone while we're driving, right? Perfect examples for our children. But you got to learn the basics. And faith is kind of the same way. Let's do a quick review. Last week, we talked about this. Faith fundamental, number one. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. That is a huge shift for some people. Some people think, I sign up for God for God to do things nice for me. And if I don't feel like he's doing nice, amazing things for me, then God either isn't nice or he's not that powerful. Both create major theological problems. So if you have this backwards, you're going to be really, really frustrated. Faith fundamental number two that we talked about, God isn't a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. In the same vein, sometimes if you sign up or I'm going to become a believer, you have this idea in your head that God exists just to give me what I want when I want it, like a spiritual vending machine. I want to go up. I want a spiritual version of the Reese's peanut butter cup because it is the best candy ever made by human beings. And you're like, C7, C7, C7. God's like, you don't need that. You need beef jerky B2. That's what you need. But if we look at God like prayer exists to twist his arm to make him hit C7, so I get what I want, you will be perpetually frustrated and eventually drop out. Another faith fundamental, that if you get this wrong, you're confused and spirituality doesn't feel life-giving, it feels annoying, is learning to read the Bible in context. Now, I'm curious today, how many of you here, your students, you're like 18 or younger, can I see a hand? You're 18 or younger, raise your hand up. Yes, camera operators, yes, yes, over here, over here, over here, good. Students, context, what is it? It's like the idea of trying to understand an entire movie, but only watch like the preview. Or you just watch a minute here and 30 seconds there and 10 seconds there, and then it's like, I get the whole thing. I understand it all. It would be weird to try to understand what's happening in a movie if all you do is pick and choose like 30-second segments. Reading the Bible is kind of that same way. If all you do is pick out a little scripture and you're like, I like that. Man, I believe that. Like that part about God forgiving my sin, that part about Jesus giving everything for me, man, I love that. But the part about forgiving that crazy, annoying person, no, I don't like that. So I don't cut that part out. I don't like it. We have to start reading the Bible. What does that scripture say? How does it fit into the chapter? How does it fit into that book of the Bible? How does it fit into the New or Old Testament? How does it fit into the whole thing? How does the Holy Spirit bring to light this scripture in light of interpreting it correctly? Reading the Bible in context is a game changer. These are things we talked about last week. We tried to answer the question, why are some of my prayers not answered? By giving one reason. Last week, the reason was maybe you have a broken relationship. Now, husbands, I still love you, but I'm coming after you a little bit again this week. Last week, we talked about a scripture where husbands behaving in a way that if they're not showing their wife love, respect, trust, that their prayers can be hindered. It's this idea that my human relationships can propel or restrict my prayer life. So if you're feeling ever like my prayers go up, 
They hit the ceiling. They come down. They hit me right in the bridge of the nose. They go nowhere. I don't understand. Maybe you need to look this way. Are there people you haven't forgiven? Are you holding something against somebody else? Is there a conversation that you know needs to happen, that you've been putting it off for a year last Christmas? A crazy family member said that thing, and you've been mad about it ever since. Get a chance to bring it back around this Christmas. Today, I want us to get into two more reasons why our prayers might not be answered. Channel that feeling. That thing you've been praying for, that frustration that maybe you have felt before, unanswered prayer. And I want us to try to find some answers together as a team. Here is the second reason why perhaps your prayers might not be answered. Write this down. Maybe you don't believe God will do it, period. You're almost like, what's the point? I don't think God will or I don't think God can do this. So... Let's just skip the whole prayer thing. To see an example of this, we're going to read a little story out of the Bible, a moment that is, I must say, a little crazy, a little weird. Now, if you've read the Bible much, you know this is true. The Bible has some weird stuff in there. (laughs) It just does. If you think the Bible is like, oh, it's just like all boring, liturgical, blee, blah, blee. You haven't read much of it. I mean, from betrayal, love, murder, redemption, spiritual crazy. I mean, there's so much in the Bible that is so interesting. This is a story about a dad and a son. The son is possessed by an evil spirit. The dad is trying to get this kid free. You know, he would do anything like we would as parents, try to get your kid well, sick, healed, restored. So he's trying... And if you want to read the entire story, of course, our faith fundamental of reading in context would be good to apply here. So go read the entire story. Write this down. Read Mark 9, 14 through 32. We're not going to read all that today. We're going to read a portion. This is the dad talking to Jesus. After he's already brought his son to the followers of Jesus, the disciples, to be prayed for and hopefully healed. It did not work. They prayed for him. It would not work. Disciples are probably confused. Why? Don't know. Wouldn't work. So he brings him to Jesus. Here's what happens. Dad says this. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. This is the dad talking to Jesus about his son. Now imagine how a parent would be. I mean, desperate, right? Emotional. It's this feeling of like, I brought him to this place and to this doctor and to this place and this counselor and this thing. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And this has not worked. There's a part of my heart that goes out, you know, to this dad. So here he is. Now he's talking to Jesus after his disciples had failed. And the dad says this. But if you can do anything, he's talking to Jesus, but if. You can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says this in verse 23, if you can. Now, I don't think his tone is like, if you can, please. I made this whole universe. I don't think it's snarky like that. I think he's simply making the point. If you can, could it be that I could transcend what you think I could do or not do? I think Jesus is addressing the idea of doubt and faith. 
If you can, said Jesus. Then he goes on to say, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, and I love his honesty here. He's like, I do believe. Wait, wait, I do. I don't know if he thought Jesus was going to leave or something. Like, wait, wait, don't leave. I do believe. And then very honestly, he says, help me overcome my unbelief. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have felt like this. Like, I, I want to believe. I'm trying to believe. I kind of believe. I think. Can you just help me believe? Like, I think I can do it. I, I really can't. You can do it. I'm not sure if you can do it. I prayed for it before. It hasn't worked. I prayed and prayed. Will you just help me? Help me believe. Will you just do the thing? Jesus goes on, of course, to heal the boy. But I want to talk about this idea of faith for a minute. Faith, it is important. I love the honesty here with the dad. Help me believe. Faith is critical in our relationship with God. But I want to encourage you today that it's not the size of your faith that brings answered prayer. It is the size of your God that brings answered prayer. And our God, Go Church, is big enough to answer prayer, to heal, to restore, to transform, to squash fear, to drive out evil. God can do anything because we serve an amazing God. Do you believe that, Go Church? But some people get stuck and they're like, my faith isn't pretty enough. Sometimes this idea of faith, I think, gets mutated into some heretical, weird nastiness. For example, there are people that really believe that you might be sick because you don't have faith. Oh, that's why you're sick. That's why that person in your family got COVID, because you don't have enough faith. People seriously will believe things like that. Or... If you are sick and you're praying or there is a situation and you're praying, 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 and it doesn't happen, you even see this in the Bible, it's like you don't have enough faith. It's your fault. There's beliefs like that. It's not the size of your faith that's the difference maker. It's the size of your God. And if we're not careful, it's easy to turn the amount of faith into an idol, Almost like I've got to have an amazing amount of faith in my faith, and then God will do something. Instead of, I'm going to have faith in an amazing God and trust and believe that he is going to do something, and I'm going to give him some credit for that. So if you think about this idea of scale, you know, like does God want a high amount of faith what level is it? How can we quantify it? How can we graph it? I mean, faith is important. Don't mishear me. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't care how many degrees and accomplishments you have. We will, you will never out-educate yourself out of the need for faith. You could have 80 doctorate degrees. You could be the smartest person. You will never out-IQ or out-educate your need for faith in a living God. We can understand, but we will never understand all. There will always be this dynamic of trust, but how much faith do you need? Is it a little? Is it a lot? Is it in between? 
why don't we go and see what Jesus has to say about this? In Matthew, Jesus gives a picture of how much faith do we need for amazing things to happen. He says this, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What's happening is that Jesus doesn't set the bar. If you think about like an Olympic high jump, he doesn't set the bar high. The bar for faith is set ridiculously low. It's like, I just stepped over it. That's the amount of faith I need. I don't have to run, 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 train for 20 years, try to throw my body over this huge bar of faith that only a select few are talented enough to achieve. I just walked back over it. This is the amount. Everybody take their thumb and their index finger, and I want you to just close this distance about as far as you can go without touching. Get an idea for this space. You can pretty much fit a mustard seed in there. Streaming. If you can zoom in on this. Very, very tiny, tiny, tiny. What Jesus is saying is, again, it's not the size of your faith. It's the size of your father that makes the difference. A small thing can be used to accomplish big things. So if you're the kind of person that is hard on themselves, like this dad, he didn't have it all together. It wasn't like, I just believe in an amazing way. Of course I believe. He was brutally honest. And you know what happened? His son was healed. If you're the kind of person that is hard on yourself, my challenge to you today is this. Have some grace for yourself. Your faith doesn't have to be Christmas perfect. You know, all the ornaments just in the right thing, all the little things in your house just in the right way, all the lights just in the right direction. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be huge. Have grace for yourself. Why? Because God does. Are you holding yourself to an ungodly standard? Does faith matter? Yes. Faith is a journey, and God loves you the same all along the path. His love for you doesn't increase proportionately as your faith increases. We can't earn the love of our Father. We can only accept it. Have grace for yourself. Allow your faith to be a little rough around the edges. God's not afraid of that. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. He wants to move in your life. He wants to do big things. And personally, it's just my opinion, if you have enough faith to pray for it, it's faith enough. I just believe that. If you have enough faith for it to come out of your mouth, it's enough. If you have enough faith to pray with somebody else about a need, it's enough. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to be authentic. Third reason your prayers aren't answered. I've seen this one be true for a long time, and I think this one is a good one. Write this down. Maybe you're praying for the right thing to happen at the wrong time. Have you ever felt that feeling? I feel like I'm praying for the right things. Why is this not happening? Becky and I, we did college student ministry for 14 years full-time. 
And a couple of common themes that undergrad students especially would wonder about in their spiritual collegiate journey. This is really one of them. If they were Christians and believers, it was like, what's God's will for my life? Like, I want to know I'm in the right major because I've switched it 10 times. Is the 11th the winner? (laughs) And it's not that they stressed about it because they didn't think that God had a plan for their life. They stressed about it because they knew God had a plan for their life. Do you feel me? It's called Christian anxiety. It's like, I know that God has a plan, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Look, I want to speak peace to you. If you love Jesus, if you are living the best that you can, submitted to him, you love him, it is infinitely harder to miss his will than it is to find it. Be at ease in this, all right? God's got you. They would wonder about the will of God. They would wonder about who should I date. They would wonder about sex. And they would wonder about who they should date. And they would wonder about money, and they would wonder about the will of God, and then who should they date, who should they date, who should they date. Sometimes the will of God seems like a mystery. Sometimes it can feel a bit frustrating. The timing of the will of God is something that I think very rarely gets talked about. It's always like, well, what do you feel like God wants you to do? What does God want you to do? And maybe you have a sense of that, but the timing is not right. Like parents in the house, how many of you have ever already prayed for your kids to find the right spouse if they are going to get married, if it's the will of God for their life? How many of you have already thought about, God, please, let them elevate the gene pool in a positive direction. <laughs> you want to go up. You don't want to go down. Please, Jesus. Right? Maybe you've prayed about that. Maybe you've thought about that. And right now they're 13. Timing is not right. If God were to answer that prayer now, it would create a whole other set of prayers. If you pray about the job, you pray about the financial thing, you pray about starting something new, you pray about your marriage, you pray about your kids, maybe you're praying for the right thing, but it's not the right time. Do you give the same weight to the timing of God as you do to the what God wants you to do? part of his will. Both are sovereign. I want you to think about that. What does God want you to do? When does he want you to do it? Let's look at 2 Peter. I'm going to read this. Just listen to my words. It's not on the screen. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. Side note, this is not an encouraging verse if you struggle with patience like I do. (laughs) Say, great, this seems annoying. Now, verse number nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, remember our faith fundamental, we read the Bible in context all the time. We don't pick and choose. This scripture is in the context of people being perplexed and wondering about the second coming of Jesus, like Jesus coming back to the earth. Some of them were debating, like, it should have happened already. Why is it taking so long? People were frustrated by it. Is it going to happen now, next week? They were wondering about the timing of God. And I think we've all been at that place, right? When's the right time for the next job? I hope it's Monday, 
And if it's not Monday, God doesn't exist. He hates me. If it is Monday, it's like, oh, God is amazing. And it turns out you don't like that job. God doesn't exist again. The timing of God. I want us to think about the balance of those things and see how this ties to prayer. You see, prayer is about knowing God and doing his will. Prayer is not about twisting his arm to get what you want, what your flesh wants all the time. So prayer is about coming to a place where you can sense what is God wanting to do and also sense when is he wanting to do it? Is this the right time? Is there something I should be praying for that's going to happen in the future, but I have the sense that it's going to happen in the future, and I'm at peace with that? Sometimes we're not good with praying for things in advance because we want everything right now. Like We want it now. We don't want like Amazon Prime two days. We want Amazon now, literally right now. Think back to our search. I'm going to say our because there was a team approach to this, Go Church, looking for land. 2016, 2017, 700 days almost, praying, 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 looking, 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 feeling frustrated. 2018, we pull an even bigger Go Team crew together, and we make an offer on a piece of land that is by Inspire Elementary School, just north of 56th Street. So basically Central Park, 56, a little north of that in that area. We made an offer. I felt like it was a pretty good offer, and that offer was rejected. And to be honest with you, I was kind of frustrated about that. I was a little mad. I'm like, it's been three years. Hello? Like, you know, I don't want to be meeting in the school, not that the school is evil, not that God can't use it, but I don't want this to be the long-term plan. I mean, I really think God can use a facility, facilitate gospel, reach people, had all kinds of vision things still in my heart that God wants to use and do and bring to life, and we need some tools to do that. So I'm like, God, why is this prayer not happening? Like, it's going to take time to raise money, build a team. Like, you know, patience is not my greatest it's not my greatest virtue in my life. So I'm frustrated. Okay, that leads to 2019. That leads to 2020 in the middle of COVID. Later on in 2020, as COVID is still happening, we have to figure out, are we going to be super conservative and just try to survive as a church, or are we going to be appropriately aggressive? We pray, we pray, our team gets together. We're like, we're going to be appropriately aggressive. So we say... All right, if we can't meet in the school, what can we do? So we come here. We're the first church to come here. We renovate this place, renovate a place right down the sidewalk for all of our Go Kids ministry. We start doing Go Church together again. It was amazing almost a year ago, right out a year ago into this place. And then an opportunity comes up to buy a piece of land right here, Central Park in 70. You saw the video. That land is not cheap, by the way. Okay, it's on a couple of dollars that we just kind of scraped off and threw at it. $1.5 million dollars for 0.89 acres. Now, practically speaking, we get to do shared parking. There's some things over there that we don't have to account for, like water retention. But if you're a math person, do 10% of $1.5 million and then double that. We had to bring that to closing, plus $60,000 for our share of common roads and sidewalks and things like that. In the middle of COVID, we were not together. I was like, go church, tele-evangelist, just video. 
I mean, I was so sick of looking into the camera all the time. I'm like, are there real people still? It's like, we're going to try to spend $1.5 million now? Yes, now. And I'm telling you, if we had bought the land by Inspire in 2018, I would have been so disappointed. I would have been like, can we sell that and buy this? Because this is so much better. You see, God had a time. We were praying for the right things. We were believing for the right things. And God brought it about in his perfect time. So part of faith is trusting his timing. Will we not get anxious, not get full of anger, not get full of fear, frustration, drop out and quit and get hangry with the Lord, but say, God, I want to know you. I want to be able to pray your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, help me to want the things that you want. Help me to accept and desire the timing in which you want to bring it about. So today, I want you to think about your relationships and your kids. I want you to think about the things that are so important to you. Maybe there are changes coming in 2022. I talked to a precious Go Church person at the 930 worship experience. New job started last week. They're so happy about it. They've been working on it for a while. Maybe that thing is coming in 2022, but it's not here yet. Maybe you've thought about things. You've prayed for things. You have tried to position yourself through education to be ready for a next thing, but you feel like, man, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Today, let God breathe life into you that his timing is perfect. And if you love him, it's a lot harder to miss his will than it is to find it. Let's pray. God, we give ourselves over to you today. God, I just proclaim on behalf of all of my friends, everyone watching, my family, all of our streaming community, God, we want your will to be done in our life. God, help us to begin with what we know, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, help us to seek not just what you want, but when you want to do it. And help us to see both as sovereign. God, I pray for every person. They've got something heavy on their heart, just like that dad did with his son, wanting to see his son healed. God, that level of care, or maybe that level of angst, or that level of worry or concern, God, I pray that right now you would bring a peace, that you would bring a grace, that you would remind us it's not the size of our faith that makes the difference, it's the size of our Father, you, that makes the difference. God, make it happen in our life for your glory. For your glory, God. If you're here today and you are thinking right now about a situation and you want to see God move in and through that situation, this message is timely for you. It applies to you. You're going to be praying about this this year into next year. Can I see a hand in the air and say, that's me. I got something I've been thinking about today. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All over. All over. God is moving here in our hearts. 
The most important relationship that you can ever have in life is a relationship with the living God. And let me tell you, if you're here today in this space, you're online, hear my voice. The most important relationship you could ever have is one with Jesus Christ. He did not come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship. And that can start today. Christmas, we remember that God sent his one and only son, that Jesus truly, as the Bible describes him, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to this earth. 100% man, 100% God, laid his perfection down to pay for our mistakes and our sin. He laid it down and paid for it on the cross. He was beaten, he was broken, and as he was, I believe he was thinking about us, knowing our names, knowing you, knowing that you would even be here today having an opportunity to pray. He died on that cross, they put him into a tomb. He was in that tomb one day, two days. But on the third day, God resurrected Jesus Christ and he is alive and he has a plan for your life today. And it's this, to know him. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I wanna give you an opportunity to pray that prayer with me right now. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this out loud with me. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.